be turning to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's on page 1152 in the Church Bibles. Page 1152, second half of the chapter. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there has to be, have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on them, bring judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and ill, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we have more discerning with regard to them ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Everyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. This is the word of the Lord. Praise to Shida, thanks for reading. I wonder what you thought church would be like before you started coming to church. Uh, I wonder what you think church is like now. Um, maybe those who are following online, maybe there are people who have never been to church in person. What do you imagine it's going to be like? I didn't grow up going to church. And when I was a kid, if you'd asked me, I'd have thought uh, church was maybe a few old ladies 
apologies to the older women among us. Dotted around a drafty old building, quite dusty, everyone speaking in whispers. If I'm honest, very safe, but a little bit boring. I would never have imagined that church could be noisy and exciting, sociable, life-changing, and most of all, I would never have imagined that church could be dangerous. But that's exactly what Paul says in our Bible passage this morning. He says that coming to church can be dangerous. There's a change of tone in this passage. Um, Last week in in verse 2 of the chapter, he said, I praise you for remembering me in everything and holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. He gives them instructions there in that first half about men and women being visibly different in church. Um, Highly controversial for us, but probably not so much for them. Today we get a change in tone, verse 17. He says in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. How bad does church have to be for it to do more harm than good? What's going on? Well, Paul says he's heard that there are divisions among them. He's already talked about divisions back in chapter one, and he wrote then how serious that was. But now he says, actually, divisions are sometimes necessary. Verse 19, he says, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Unity is very important, but it's not the ultimate value in church. If some people in church are doing and teaching wrong things, we mustn't walk together with them at all costs. Sometimes, sadly, it's necessary to let them walk away and to say, like Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It takes wisdom and courage to know when to preserve unity and when, sadly, there have to be differences between us. The divisions here, on the face of it, aren't differences so much in terms of what they believed or even apparently differences over ethics. These were social differences in this chapter. The early church often took communion as part of a fellowship meal, a bit like our bring and share lunches. Other parts of the New Testament talk about um, agape meals or love feasts. But the way the Christians in Corinth went about their bring and share lunches didn't have much to do with love at all. Rich people, it seems, were bringing lots of lovely food and drink and tucked straight into it. In fact, they gorged their faces. Sometimes I've seen faces a bit like this at some of our bring and share lunches. But these rich people were gorging themselves on lovely food and wine, but what they weren't doing is waiting for others, and in particular, they weren't sharing with those who couldn't afford to bring anything themselves. And so as a result, verse 21, there was a big gap between the hungry poor and the drunken rich. Paul says that kind of behaviour isn't just rude, 
he says it's spiritually very serious indeed. In fact, he says later on in our passage that it's so serious that some people came under God's discipline for it. Verse 30, can you see there? It says, that is why many among you are weak and ill and a number of you have fallen asleep. He means they've died. You see, greed came before their Christian brothers and sisters. A bit like with Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. It led to death. Coming to church can be serious. It can be dangerous. Doesn't mean, of course, that every time a church member is sick or dies, it's because of a particular sin. Nor does it mean that every time a church member behaves badly, they're going to get sick. But the Apostle Paul is able to make the connection in this case. There's been an outbreak of illness and even death in the church in Corinth. And Paul says, it's God's discipline on you because of the way you're treating one another. Why? Well, because how they treat one another, especially at communion, actually reflects how, re how they regard Jesus and his death. Let me say that again. How they treat one another, especially at communion, actually reflects how they regard Jesus and his death for them. And that's why Paul goes on to give a little lesson here about what we call Holy Communion. Sometimes it's called the Eucharist. Roman Catholics call it the Mass. The Bible's name for it is the Lord's Supper. It's a meal of the Lord. Maybe your mum told you that breakfast was the most important meal. Did anyone's mum tell them that breakfast was the most important meal? Is it just mine? Yeah, a few, a few. Well, your mum didn't tell you the truth. The most important meal you can ever eat is the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians was written before the, first, the, before the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So this is probably the very earliest record of any of Jesus' teaching anywhere in the Bible. Let's look at it together. Verse 23. Maybe these words are very familiar to you. Verse 23, Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. The Last Supper was the night Jesus was betrayed. You see, even then there were divisions among God's people. Those who are causing division in Corinth are like Judas, betraying Jesus out of greed that leads to death. Jesus hands them the bread and later the wine. We're going to be taking bread and wine later on this morning. He gave them the bread and the wine and he says, this is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Now the bread and wine are obviously symbolic. Um, our bread came out of the bread maker this morning. It's still slightly warm. 
Um, they are Jesus' body and blood in, in a similar way to how, Jesus, uh, how Paul said in chapter 10 that the rock in the wilderness was Christ. Or in a similar way to when Jesus said in John's gospel, I am the gate for the sheep. We're not meant to think literally Jesus is literally a gate or a rock. Um, he's not literally a loaf of bread or a cup of wine. But they're being used to signify something infinitely more important. Actually, both of the symbols um, that Jesus tells us to use, the, the one-off sacrament of baptism, which we'll be marking next week for Jack and Eva, um, the sign of entry into God's family, and then the regular sacrament of communion, which feeds us as we continue in God's family. Both of them, have you noticed this? Both of them use material things that pass away, that don't last. The flowing waters of a river, originally with baptism, and the bread and wine that disappears as you swallow it uh, for communion. You see, the material things themselves aren't meant to be preserved and worshipped. We don't um, hold on to them or display them or bow down to them or parade them. It's as we consume them that they gain their significance. But we mustn't go to the opposite extreme of treating the Lord's Supper casually or trivially. When we remember the Lord's death, we're not just being reminded of something that we've forgotten. Oh yeah, I forgot. I was supposed to buy eggs at the shop and uh, I've just remembered as well, Jesus died for my sins. It's not remembering like that. It's more like um, when you remember someone in your will. It's bringing them to our attention in a way that's meant to change us. It's remembering Christ who died for us. Jesus says, this is my body, which is for you. It's the language of substitution. As Jesus introduced the Lord's Supper at Passover, they would naturally think of the Passover lamb, which was sacrificed so that the firstborn of every Israelite household could live. A substitute which is for you. And the blood is the new covenant in my blood. It echoes the sealing of the covenant with Moses at Mount Sinai by sprinkling with blood to confirm God's promises. The blood of Jesus establishes a new covenant. So the Lord's Supper is spiritually significant. It signifies something of great importance. Jesus' death as a substitute for ours to seal God's new covenant with us. We bring all of those things to mind when we take the bread and the wine. And so Paul says, verse 26, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The bread and wine are preaching to us. They're a visible word. In fact, they're a tangible word. You can touch it that remind us of the gospel. Sometimes I have the privilege of taking communion uh, to someone who's near to death. Maybe they've lost the power of hearing. They might have lost the power of under understanding, of thought. But the bread and the wine is a God-given appeal to the senses of sight and touch and taste and smell. 
and they can be a comfort and a reminder, especially to someone who can't access their other senses. When we eat something, when we drink something, it goes down deep inside us and becomes part of us. Because our bodies matter, it matters what we eat and drink. At the Lord's Supper, we're feeding on Jesus. We're saying, yes, I want Jesus. I want to be united with him. I want him in me. I want to be nourished by him and built up by him. You are what you eat. And we want to become like Jesus by feeding on him in his death. Again, it's just bread and wine. It doesn't change into something else. But spiritually speaking, it's highly significant. The most important meal you'll ever eat. And that's why it's so important that we eat and drink it with the right attitude. We must discern the body and discern ourselves. Just look at verse 27. The words guilty of have been added in by the translators. It literally says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Do you see? By taking communion in the wrong way, we're sinning against the very thing we're remembering. We're supposed to be reminding ourselves of Jesus' death, but in the process, we're making his death much more necessary. What does it mean to eat or drink in an unworthy manner? Well, remember, Paul is speaking especially here about relations with other members of the church. Do you remember he was talking about their agape meals, their love feasts, where some people were stuffing their faces and other people were going hungry. He said in verse 22 that by doing that, they despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing. They despise the church of God. How they treat each other, especially at communion, reflects how they regard Jesus and his death. He uses a play on words here. Again, in verse 29, our translators have added a couple of words, but verse 29 literally reads, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So what does it mean to eat and drink without discerning the body? It's a play on words. At one level, Paul obviously means they're not treating the bread and the wine like the thing it symbolises, the body and blood of Christ crucified. But a page earlier, in chapter 10, verse 16, Paul said in the middle of verse 16, he said, is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ, verse 17, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Christ died not just for each one of us individually, but also in a sense for the church as a whole. 
And so when we eat and drink without realizing that part of the symbolism is Jesus' death for the church, we're eating or drinking in an unworthy manner. The bread symbolizes the body of Christ crucified for the body of, of the church. And so when the Christians in Corinth rush ahead without waiting for one another and some go hungry while others get drunk, they are denying the very thing they're supposed to be remembering. So, Paul says, we need to examine ourselves. Verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. That's why we always give notice before having a communion service, giving us the opportunity to check that we're ready to receive it. We need to be discerning with regard to ourselves, verse 31. Otherwise, verse 32, we might be disciplined by God like the Corinthians were. Or we might even face final condemnation like the rest of the world. Sobering, isn't it? Let me encourage you, I don't think I see at St Anne's the kind of selfishness and divisions that there were in Corinth. In fact, I see lots of love and unity. I hope you see the same. Our unity as a church is precious. Let's keep working at it. Let's make sure we're not patronising towards each other. Let's make sure we're not silently judging each other. No, we need to judge ourselves, but we need to show charity and forbearance to one another. And if you're one of those people that Paul describes as the have-nots, please will you tell us if you think we can do better at showing our love and unity towards one another. When we come to the bread and wine in a few minutes, and on other occasions, let's not eat presumptuously. This is the most important meal you'll ever eat. It's a visible, tangible word. Take the bread and the wine and roll it around in your mouth. This is Jesus' body, which is for me. This is Jesus' blood, the new covenant in his blood. Jesus' death is proclaimed to everyone present, but first let it be preached to each of us, to our hearts, as we're reminded of his death for us. We mustn't eat presumptuously, casually, just as an unthinking ritual. The bread and the wine is significant. And let's make sure we don't eat and drink individualistically. Communion isn't just about me and my God. Part of the significance is in the body of believers. We who are many are one body, for we all share in one life. 
That's why we try as far as possible to make it a shared meal. We come up and we, we stand in a big circle and take the bread and wine together. We use one loaf of bread, we use a shared cup. So as you eat and drink, look around at who you're sharing it with. Maybe a few of you will remember um, what Gordon, my predecessor, used to say at communion. Do you remember? He used to say, as you eat, look back to Christ's death. Look in, in self-examination. Look up to fellowship with God in heaven. Look around at our fellowship with one another. Look forward to Christ's return and look outward to proclaim God's word to others. We lose something important if we just take communion individually. It's another great reason to come to church in person if you possibly can. If you really physically can't get to church, then please let me know and I will bring communion to you at home. But even then, I'm afraid you will be missing out on something. Because we'll be missing out on the significance of Christ's body, the church, receiving together Christ's body crucified. And if we follow church at home just because we don't want to meet with other believers, we're coming dangerously close to the error of the Corinthians that Paul has warned us so soberly about here. We don't take bread and wine presumptuously, we don't take it individualistically, especially we don't take it divisively. One of the things I tend to say at communion is that it's for anyone who's baptised, they've received um, the symbol of entry into the people of God, and who is, of, who is in good standing with God and with their neighbour, especially their fellow believer. That's why in some churches they have a tradition of sharing a sign of the peace um, with one another before they take communion. If there's anyone to whom you can't say peace be with you and shake their hand or give them a hug, well then you need to sort that out before you take communion. Otherwise you may be eating and drinking judgment on yourself. So please talk to me or to another leader or another respected member of the church if you need help to be reconciled with someone else in church. Remember how Paul started this section, your meetings do more harm than good. When we examine ourselves, we might find it's better not to take communion until things can be resolved. But, once we have examined our hearts and made things right as far as it's in our power to do so, then come. We don't need to be perfect to receive the bread and wine. We need to receive the bread and wine because we're not perfect. Don't let the lies of the accuser keep you from the means of grace. When we receive the bread and wine, we're gratefully saying, yes, Christ died for me. I'm a sinner who needs a substitute, who needs the blood of the new covenant, who needs forgiveness of sins. 
We don't come to communion in arrogance and pride. I deserve this. No, we come in humility and brokenness. I need this. Those words from chapter 10 again. It's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all share the one loaf. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we rejoice in you and especially in your love shown through Christ crucified. We thank you, our Father, for his sacrifice, his substitution for us at the cross and for the blood of the new covenant. Our Father God, please show us of any ways in which we're unworthy, any ways in which we're showing disunity, in which we're being trivial or idolatrous in the way that we come to the Lord's table. We pray, our Father, that we will be able to come with expectant and needy hearts, nourished by Christ and becoming like the one who we symbolically eat. In Jesus' name we pray.